our NPR bubbles. <laughs> Rafa, this is for you, man. All right, let's go ahead and kick this thing off. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Enough. Hey, hey. Cheers, Rafa, guys. to you. Yeah. And cheers. Lovely. Mmm. Mmm. Yeah. That's the, that's the champagne method. That's the champagne method. Okay, well, welcome, 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 welcome back to Bunch the Podcast. We are here. I have no idea what day it is. Rafa, can you check Google for that? It is August 3rd August of the 3rd, year of the Lord, 2022. 2022. It's a beautiful, hot Wednesday afternoon here in downtown Great Barrington. And we are so, so, so very lucky to have such awesome new friends and guests with us here tonight. I'd like to welcome Matt and Kat. Here from the Berkshire Cider Project. All right. Welcome. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for having us. Hey. <laughs> so I, I I wanted to bring these guys onto the podcast because they totally embody what new businesses could, should, and would be looking like here in the Berkshires. I'm such a fan of the product, of you both, of your business and your missions. Um, and I wanted to, you know, I don't have... A lot of things that I want to get to tonight, but I wanted to hang out with you, and I definitely want to go ahead and and have, as we taste through some of these ciders, have discussions for our guests that are not as fortunate as I am to be able to run through your lineup uh, on a weekly or bi-weekly occasion, or have them on hand at all times. Um, so I think we should just go ahead and have a nice conversation, a little bit of background on both of you, where you're coming from, a little bio on your story and your business. And while we do that, uh, let's make sure we're giving some highlights as far as what we're drinking, the story yeah. behind it, and integrate those things and see where this goes. So Love it. Uh, why don't you start with what we're drinking, and then we'll hop into who, who made it. Yeah, so this is our champagne cider, champagne method cider. Uh, this kind of, you know, in an interesting way, this kind of started it all, because... Uh, big picture this really came out of we got married about five years ago up here in the Berkshires cat families from the Berkshires spent a lot of time up here and uh, we had been making cider and we can go back a little further later but we had been making cider as sort of a hobby but then we made a bunch of cider for the wedding we wanted to have a party we wanted to make the cider but we also you know wanted sparkling wine at our wedding we wanted champagne and the reality is like we don't, you know, have any really East Coast champagne, I mean, in general, but certainly not in the Berkshires. And we were making cider and fell in love with other people who were making cider in the same method and the same kind of dry, meaning no sugar, traditional kind of wine bottle format made for that kind of like perfect wine pour in a wine glass. Uh, and so I think really the, the lighthouse for this brand is the champagne method cider. But it takes a little bit longer. So this is a cider that actually came from our first harvest, you know, pulling from, we can talk about where we get our apples and how we source, but pulling from the apples we got that first year, then fermented and then aged secondarily in the bottle, which is the champagne method, the traditional champagne method. So cider that's re-fermented in the bottle. So all the bubbles are natural. And then we literally riddle them the same way you see all the old French guys turning the bottles in their caves for we don't months. Quite do that. Well, <laughs> I pick them up on the pallet jack and I kind of shake them a little bit. So, so it's a my... Berkshire riddling <laughs> yeah, yeah. method. It's a country, a little country vibe. A little shimmy shake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll have a forklift one day. We can actually do it with rather yeah. than just the pallet jack. 
But then, you know, you hand disgorge it so that, you know, you freeze the neck. You put them in this, like, glycol solution. You freeze the yeast, which has dropped down to the bottom. And you flip the top one more time. Yeast goes shooting out. You're left with this clean, sparkling, natural product. And you cork it. And it, you know, has all that two years of age on it. I mean, this is almost going on three years now. It's got that beautiful, like, French kind of bready bag we say baguette on the label because we're fancy mm-hmm. uh, but you know I, I'm not trying to trick anyone but the thing is I think if if you were to have this on your bar or at your wedding and someone had it or you had a toast or something at your party it's a great stand-in just for champagne and you don't have to think too much about it you don't have to know it's cider you don't have to you know, know a ton about cider or what that means or you what that doesn't mean. You don't even need to like cider to You don't even need this. to like cider. In fact, it's probably better. Here's the thing. This yeah. is now already going down the rabbit hole. It's better if you don't like cider. Yeah. Because yeah. the people who like cider now like Woodchuck or Angry Orchard and no offense to those brands, but, you know, that's a sweetened product. It's, it's something with flavors and it's just kind of a different market. Yeah, trash. <laughs> <laughs> Your word's not mine. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> Trash. Yeah, no, but if we, you like cider, then that's a problem. That's a hurdle that we have to hum- yeah. Like, if you like sparkling wine. Yeah, we make cider for a white wine audience. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, I think that's a At great... At first, I mean, our entry point ciders, like, sometimes we talk about our ciders as, like, a gateway cider. You don't think you like cider? We'll try this, and we're going to draw you into this whole yeah. world. So this is the, the start of that. Yeah, Definitely. Well, this this was one of the one of my favorites from the first time yeah. we tasted it, and we just recently brought it in. And last week we had the pleasure of actually doing a pop up with Kat and Rafa, who who showed up to shuck some oysters. Nice job, buddy. Nice job. Did the hard work. They were beautiful. You did so well. Uh, but we did a little oyster and champagne pop up last week, which we should probably do again because it got rained out. And I mean, we still sold three hundred oysters that night, but. Uh, I think we could do a lot more and Mm -hmm. enjoy the day even more. Um, But part of the reason I wanted to do that pop-up is because I'd like to replace my... I mean, we don't have Prosecco on the menu at Cantina, but I always like to have something sparkling by the glass for that that drinker. And I think there's absolutely no reason that in this region and at a restaurant like Cantina that we should be offering dry cava or sparkling wine from Italy or California and we should be absolutely drinking this so I wanted people to taste it and to recognize it and this will be a great reason for all those coming in to say you know what I want to drink that I want to have a glass of that champagne cider this week at Cantina and check out and see what it's all about and I think it's a great as you said gateway um, and and gives you everything you want out of that glass of wine Um, Mm -hmm. but in a in a much you know, way. it's, it's, you know, you say farm to table, right? A lot. That's the old trope for, you know, a good restaurant. When you have a destination, we're farm to glass, you know, so we don't own farms. We're, we're not orchard based ourselves, but our whole goal is working with local orchards around the Berkshires, each which bring their own character and their own style to what they're producing for us. We do a lot of forage fruit, things like that too. But, you know, yeah, in the Berkshires, we don't really grow grapes. We don't really grow you know, we don't have a tradition of champagne making, but we certainly have a tradition of cider making mm-hmm. that goes back hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, apples really also come first to Massachusetts. So there's also that, you know, even though some other states have taken over apple production, uh, you know, this is where they came first when they came over. So, 
Cider's also half the alcohol of wine, so you know you can drink twice as much. Hey. <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> That's good for both sides. Not that I'm either. promoting <laughs> over drinking. Yeah. I'm just saying. No, you're, it's just about appropriately about drinking. Yeah. yeah, it's keeping the party going. That's it's right. Very important. Yeah, that's why I like to switch to Miller High Life's at a certain point. Uh, exactly. Well, another champagne. O- only we're until the champ- <laughs> we're the champagne of ciders. Yeah. You might say. <laughs> <laughs> yes, way classier though. Come on, guys. Come on. Let's not put you in that category. <laughs> All right. So take me back a little bit. You mentioned real quick. You had family here, but I know you guys are new. You're, you're, you're a COVID business, which I'm excited to hear about Ooh. what that was like, you know, getting yeah. going. But start a little bit from the beginning and give a little bit of background on yourselves as yeah. people. <laughs> I'll take that one. You can Please do. jump in. I'll keep um, drinking. So my family uh, has a house in the Berkshires. I think like a lot of people, yourself included. I uh, grew up in New York City, but weekends, summers... Any free time we had was always in the Berkshires. Um, So it's been a place that I've loved for a super long time. I convinced this guy to also love it, hopefully not against his will. Yeah. Um, And we got married up here about, as he said, five years ago. And just love it. I mean, everything from obviously the scenery to the arts and culture. um, It's just a place that I always come back to. So when we sort of fell in love with cider... Um, and started making it as a hobby, first in our Brooklyn apartment, then in our uh, basement in D.C. We moved to D.C. for a little minute, Um, then in my parents' basement. It just kind of grew and grew um, as our love of dry cider in particular kind of grew and grew. Um, So we're kind of a COVID business, but also kind of not. So uh, take this journey with me. So we we moved to D.C. in October of 2017, Um, I got a job there. I worked in corporate sustainability for a long time, um, which took us down to D.C. Matt was working part time. And so getting more serious about cider making was like a big move for us to do that. Um, Clearly, I loved it because March of 2019, we signed a lease up here to start a cidery. So (laughs) which the story there is. So we're in this building called. Greylock Works, which is like an old factory in North Adams. So much like Mass Mocha was an old, you know, uh, electronics factory and a couple other things along the way or before that converted art museum. There's a lot of old mills up there and they've converted this. And we were put in touch with the folks who are running that, these architects out of New York, and they're doing a really nice job renovating. So it looked beautiful. But the best part was, I mean, we were in D.C. We didn't know how to buy a building in the Berkshires, even though we would come up here a lot. And so the opportunity was, you know, here's a stall with a rental agreement. And, you know, it's it's very it's twelve hundred square feet. And all you have to do is sort of build it out and get started. And That's so it. you just have to yeah, build no, it out, yeah. <laughs> buy equipment, find apples. It. Yeah. <laughs> but, it, you know, I mean, you know, cider, unlike beer, really is interesting because it doesn't require like infrastructure. Like there's no heating. Like, we don't boil the cider. We don't, you know, brew cider. You literally just take apple juice, and you're essentially putting it in vessels and then sort of guiding it along its journey. Tre- treating it. You're treating it, yeah. But, like, there's not a heavy, you know, it's it's sort of a, a big empty room, right? Like, that's all it took. And so we knew we could do that at the small scale and make what we wanted. We weren't sure we could do it at a big scale, but this was, like, a nice stepping stone. Sure. Yeah. Um, and also fun. We're next to a distillery and a restaurant, so it kind of also had a destination. We weren't then, though, because there was not a lot going on. Yeah, it was right pretty empty to- then. <laughs> but, yeah, March 2019, we 
kind of, I don't know, we put a business plan together really quickly, pitched it to our current landlords and signed our lease. And then Spent most of that year building out the space. You mostly, because I was working a full-time yeah, job. Yeah, you went back a lot. <laughs> um, In D.C.? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah, we got very well acquainted with uh, I-95. Yep. Yeah. And that, that like, really charming drive. And, yeah. and you're like, yes. ooh, a gas station. Let me pull off. You're like, wait, wasn't I just here three yeah. hours ago? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> our, our dog got very familiar with that drive for the seven yeah. and a half hours. Yeah. But then the whole goal was to build it out so that we could get... Um, sort of capture the harvest of 2019. So we do everything seasonally, meaning, you know, apples are ripe in the fall. So we get apples or juice in from local orchards. So we start fermenting in the fall. Everything we do, you know, slow fermentation. We love the cold. That really helps uh, kind of slow the process down. And then we age everything. So we already had everything in the tanks. We're sitting on thousands of gallons of cider. Yeah. Come you know, January, February, 2020. Ah, I see. Yeah. It was made. We were blending. We had a plan. And then we went up and we always say, like, we went up to paint a wall to start a tasting room, thinking we're going to open in May, have people come enjoy cider. And we literally never left that year. I mean, it was, we, (laughs) we got shuffled around Airbnbs and hotel. At one point we were in a hotel where they closed the hotel, but then they let us stay there for the week because they didn't want to kick us out. I mean, this is March, 2020. So, and then immediately also (laughs) that did change the business. So it is a COVID business in the sense that like there was no tasting room where frankly, you're going to make your money anyway, sort of, especially in that first year, invite people in, Mm -hmm. tell them the story, meet them face to face, get them to buy your product, get them to buy your product, even know who you are. And then very quickly it became, okay, so we've got a window out the back that is this beautiful old factory brick window. I mean, the restaurant hadn't even opened at that time, so no one knew where you were. And we opened like July 4th, two years ago, and it was literally people would just drive in, hop out their car, go pick up a bottle, and maybe buy a hat if we were lucky, <laughs> and you know, leave with cider. And for months, that was all we did, was sit in our little lawn chair behind this brick window selling cider like it was off the back of a truck <laughs> and it was great honestly and we I sold a, I mean, we I would, sold a lot of could cider. i have gone back that'd be great i don't know it was, it was awesome yeah but you didn't have restaurant accounts at that point it was just like no i mean we so our whole idea was that we we're going to have this nice little tasting room it was going to be open during the tourist season you know yeah. july to october probably because yeah, very need, seasonal you need the leaf peepers um we weren't really planning to do any kind of distribution, but then obviously COVID hit and we had all this cider and we sold as much of it as we could out the back window, <laughs> literally. Um, but then we got into wholesale way faster than I think we otherwise would have. Which was a goal. I mean, one yeah. of the dreams was like to be on a menu at a restaurant, especially compared to wine. I mean, to be not on a beer cider list mm-hmm. was critical to us. We want to be seen as a sparkling wine, mm. but... Yeah, that wasn't the goal for the first year by yeah. any means. I have you on my wine list. Yeah, Thank we you. love that. We <laughs> love that. We actually were we debate that a lot with people about, you know, should it be on the beer cider list? Should it be on the wine list? Also, <laughs> we had an account too who was like our ciders we always recommend like an eight ounce pour. It's like a wine, right? Something like that or type of glass we had a couple accounts who were pouring you know 12 16 ounce pints Whoa. and we're like why are you going through kegs so quickly i mean i don't mind it i'm moving yeah, yeah. kegs but i'm also going to run out so and then we realized i was like i don't know how you're making money on that you know but yeah. you're doing it so i don't know 
it's funny. It's it's cider is in this world where you know it's good and bad because no one really knows what it is, right? Mm-hmm. Or we've certainly lost sense of what the traditional cider is. Mm-hmm. We've got a sense of what sort of you know the commercial cider is your sweetened kind of soda pop cider. And then I think there's a big question about like what the future is too. Like I'm not, we're not a traditional cider either. We're not like trying to say this is the cider that is made how it was made a hundred years ago only, or we don't use, you know, filters or anything like that. We want a nice clean product like you get out of any kind of quality wine. And so I think it's a little part of defining what the next 10 years, the next 20 years of cider making is. Sure. Um, so I have a question because as you're painting this picture of what this original studio looked like, studio is the wrong word, but <laughs> production site, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and do you guys have a juice press there? And we have a small little press. So so what is small though? Because uh, it, relative, it's technically it's eighty, it's ninety liters yeah. is how they're sized, and basically it presses about fifteen gallons at a time. So not much. So fifteen in a, gallons of juice of will juice, come out of one one, one pressing. pressing takes like a half hour. Basically, we can press when we're moving maybe a hundred ten gallons a day. And do you like, use like a, two barrels, like a mule or a donkey, or <laughs> like what is the, what does this actually look like? Because I'm just seeing you two being like, sweetheart, what do you want for dinner tonight? Watching this thing bats, around. Yeah, batten down. No, we've got um, so yeah. There's two components. There's a grinder and the press. You know, it's funny too, though. We the the grinder comes from this place over in, I guess it's technically Franklin County, yeah, or it's just east of here, uh, and they are one of the biggest like orchard suppliers in the country. And so, going back to that, like Massachusetts, I mean, it's amazing how much stuff is still like based here, how many nurseries are based here. But it was great when I picked up that grinder, which was of course in just in the back of our Rav Four. This before we owned a truck. Because we weren't, you know, we were still Brooklyn. You didn't know. We didn't That's know okay. nothing. We moved a lot in that little oh car. My God. <laughs> but I went there and I bought this thing, also thinking it would just be in stock. Because you know me, I'm like, oh, I'll just go to the store, I'll buy it's the like grinder. Amazon. You just like order it. I mean, he's them. like, normally these are like a two month wait, right? We build them to order. He's like, but you're lucky, I've got one in the back. And as the guy's loading in, he's like, oh wait, 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 that's not right. So he goes up like the street to where he lives, and he comes back down. I guess he like forgot his welding helmet or something like, and he's like in the back of the Rav Four, like welding on a piece that was like kind of messed up. He's like, "I'm gonna fix that for you," <laughs> and I'm just like, "What the hell what, am I doing?" What are we doing? <laughs> yeah, you never know in those moments. Is this a good thing or is this a bad thing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then also, I mean that that wasn't that piece of equipment. We've had a lot of equipment in the back of the Rav Four where like I'm driving and cats in the back holding on for dear life to the thing, because, of course, we don't know how to strap anything down at that point. <laughs> We're just idiots. There was, yeah. Total one, idiots. Two particular times. One, we had to borrow this, like, I don't know, 200-pound press? Yeah. Before we had our or own? the filter, the first filter. Filter, yeah. filter. And I'm, like, turned around in the front seat, like, holding on so it doesn't, like, fly out the back window. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just silent. And the thing is, everything in the Berkshires is, like, an hour away, right? So it's, like... It's not a four-hour drive where it would be like, then you'd stop. But it's just silent for like an hour. (laughs) She's holding, I'm driving, radio's off. You know, you're just like... You're waiting for a clink. (laughs) We're just going to get it back, and then we can like talk to each other again. (laughs) Um, So yeah, that first year was a a journey. So we have this very small press there, though, that we press stuff we forage 
or something like what we do with Hancock Shaker Village where we use their, we handpick their like heirloom apples. But a big thing, and this is the Berkshire Cider Project, our whole idea was, you know, there's five or six orchards in Berkshire County. A lot of them, you know, apple business is a hard business, any farming business is hard. If we make a premium product, if we build it, you know, they will come kind of thing. Can we use that as a way to generate business for these orchards that we love? Look, I mean, we're not gonna save any orchard, you know, we're not making really a dent in their overall budget, but can we help? And I think that's played out true a little bit. You know, we do have an orchard partner where, you know, I know they've bought some equipment because we were spending some money with them in the fall and it let them buy this other thing they needed. So I think there's a little truth to that. Um, but that is where the project comes from, is we wanted to build a business that then would support a whole like vertical chain of growing, yes. equipment making. Mm -hmm. Frankly, the restaurants are part of that chain too, right? They're the, I mean, they're the final, yeah, exactly. The final, you know, offering. So really, you know, restaurants and retail. But I think mm -hmm. that's so cool. And I'm, uh, you know, I don't know if we have enough time to go that deep into the true apple farming side. But I'm, I'm so curious. Like, what does an apple yield as far Ooh. as juice? Yeah, we, this is your, well, your math problem. You get asked all the time. You know, I thought you were the spreadsheet one. You don't have a metric for it. He has for this it. one. He has this one. There's, the problem with that question, and if you talk to other cider makers, and if any of them listen, so Angry Orchard sort of created that question because about 10 years ago, they went on TV and they said there's two or three apples that are in every bottle Angry Orchard, which in the grand scheme of things is actually a very small amount of apples compared to what you really need. Long story short, it's a little complicated because apples, you know, the apples we get are crab apples or small foraged apples. That makes really good cider. So a big, you know, Granny Smith or a Gala apple you get from the orchard is a little bit different. But it takes about, um, out of a bushel of apples, which is about 40 pounds of apples, 45 pounds of apples, you get... Uh, you got to give metrics you have outside, like the, of, outside so you, of what a normal person would... Or so what a, a bushel person. is like a big, you know, basket. <laughs> uh, you know, your standard okay, you know, big, your basket. big basket. You, you, go, you go picking and you get a big bag. <laughs> How many of those? Six? So ten? those are all like quarters. Yeah, it'd be like five of those or something like that. Okay. Yeah. 40 I, pounds, I really should know more. 40 yeah. pounds, yeah. five of those. It's 40 pounds of those. You get like five four or five gallons out of that, some, usually a little less, depending on if we're using like crab apples, things like that. We'll put a picture of a bushel just to show yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, please just drop <laughs> there it in. It's right there, boom. For scale. That's a bushel. Um, but, but then, you know, so it really does depend, though, on what the quality of the apples are, because we press little crab apples that are this big. Wait, you know. crab apples? Oh, please. We love crab apples. I got crab apples on the property. Yeah. Bring them. So that's <laughs> the thing about cider. <laughs> Big, big picture here, right? You don't expect your wine, your red wine, to taste like Welch's grape juice, right? Uh -huh. So we don't use table grapes to make wine. We use Pinot Noir. We use all this stuff. And those taste terrible, right? They're, they're terrible grapes to eat. They have, you know, they're all seeded, too. Um, so the apples that make good cider aren't great apples. They're not commercial apples. They're not the apples you go they're pick your own. not eating apples, yeah. Culinary oh. apples, eating apples. So... You know, we want all these apples to have tannins and acids. It's just like grapes. So you want crab apples are full of them, but you even have all these traditional varieties that are full of them too. They tend to be much smaller. There is this story, this is kind of cider making lore as well, about like, and some of it's true, but like prohibition comes along, right? 
ruins the beer industry, ruins a couple of things. And that's when cider really peters off in the country. A lot of people say, well, that's because they went through and they cut down all the cider apple trees, like the apples that were grown only for cider making. And some of that's true. There are photos, there are good stories about where they cut down those orchards or people cut them down. The real story there is that cider making in general was already on decline as we became more urban and more city-based. You can't make good cider in a city because you just don't have access to the fruit, uh, whereas you can put wheat and hops and barley and all that stuff on a train, it comes in. So beer takes off then, and that's really what killed it. But it, it is part of the decline where we ripped out these apples. So, you know, even apples like Baldwin, which was a huge one around here, is a good cider-making apple. But, you know, our champagne here, I'm just reading off the back, you know, we've got Dabinette, we've got have that by Rhode Island Greening, we've got... And then we've got Golden Russet, which is sort of an in-between. It's an apple, you might know, it's a little bit of a culinary apple. And then we do have some Ida Red and some Rome, which we grow here as culinary apples, so it's a nice little balance. Um, but yeah, a handful of crab apples in a gallon of cider makes a huge difference. Um, so that's why we also do, how's, how's this for a segue? Yeah, that's, thank you. Um, <laughs> we do this, what we call our community cider project. So this really ties into uh, the window where we were selling cider out this window and then people would come along and this was COVID. So everyone was desperate for like a human connection. Right. And they would be like, I have apples in my car. <laughs> and then the, the pregnant pause, you know, like, oh, okay. Yeah. But there was being like, you know, what do you, can you do something with these? And then we said, well, maybe we can. We knew we wanted to forage. We were already foraging a little bit doing some, things at Hancock Chick Village, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. But we weren't getting enough. And so then it became this thing, okay, we put out a sign that said, we want your apples. And we put it on the website, we put it on the Instagram. And then people started bringing us bushels of apples. And then one day, people brought us like a wheelbarrow and then a whole trunk full. And then said, if you come to my house, you can have twice as much. Because turns out Berkshire County, everyone's got apples. Yeah. And everyone lives on like an old orchard or old orchard estate or something like that, old farm. So that first year we got a ton of, I mean, well, literally a ton of apples. <laughs> um, that's 2,000 pounds uh, <laughs> for those of you following along. And uh, we pressed them and we made what we call our community cider project. So that is the idea of like forage apples, donated apples. Uh, the label is all photos of the actual apples and you can see it's like such a range of size and color and shape and they're ugly. I mean, you know, people, we can pick them off the ground, all that kind of stuff because the fermentation process is great. And what you taste in this cider, it's actually our most apple-y. It's our most like kind of friendly cider because it's got the most acid, because it's got all those tannins. It just, I mean, if we could only make this cider, I would. You just, you know, we only make three barrels of it every year, but. Um, What's three barrels? So three, uh, three. No, fifth, I'm just, I'm just no, trying no, to no, create a full right. so beer barrels are a little different. So our barrel is a wine barrel, so it's 55 gallons. Each. So it's like 160 gallons, basically, okay. which is nothing. I mean, no. even for a small cider, it's just nothing. But backing up just a little bit, too. So, so that's, so the community cider partially came from people literally like especially during COVID like wanting to be part of something being like I'm in my yard picking all these apples and I can't make any more pies um (laughs) (laughs) but it's also you never got any pies though we got applesauce oh that's true that was good we did get some applesauce um 
But as we started, we also, I think, came into this project with, uh, I don't know, maybe hubris or I don't know what you would call it. (laughs) Healthy dose of hubris. Um, But thinking we would go to these orchards and say, hey, like, I want to buy 600 gallons of your finest cider next week and you'll (laughs) deliver it to me and it'll be great. And the thing that we have really learned, which should have been obvious and is probably obvious to you as a chef, um, is farmers don't have a lot of excess. Like if you're a farmer, you're like using all of the things that you grow. You're not just like sitting on a bunch of produce, like hoping someone someone will come along and buy it from you. Labor included. You know, yeah. there's not your press guy just sitting on his hands yeah. waiting to press me apples. Sure. Yeah. You know. So we've had, we've, had a lot of very generous and wonderful partners who are willing to partner with us and do want to be a part of what we're doing. Um, but we're a little bit at the mercy of what they grow and what they're willing to press that time, et cetera. So part of also the community project and our Hancock Shaker Village cider was like, where else can we find really interesting apples that are out there, wild apples, heirloom apples. They're probably not coming from a lot of these orchards, which are pick your own focused, um, which is a great business. Yeah, I was going to say the pick your own and the high end or the the normalized apple lineup that we all have come to know. Um, I don't eat apples, but... um, (laughs) You just drink them. That's a topic for another another day. Uh, Wait, what? Yeah, I'm I'm a fruitophobic. Um, fruit in general? Yeah, fruit in general I am oh. afraid of, uh, which is strange because I, I do love cider, and I even sometimes dabble in a little apple juice. Oh, okay, okay. Um, you know this is public information. Yeah. <laughs> it's dangerous. Rafa, back us up 15 seconds. I'm a rude word. But you're right. It's it. That's a that's a economics thing. Yes. Yeah. Like if you're a farmer, you're not like, oh, my dream is to have a pick your own operation where we only grow IPA, essentially. Yeah. Right. That's right. what I'm saying. Right. Oh, every brewery hates making IPA, right? That's <laughs> yeah. not what they want to be doing. Yeah. They want to be doing the thing that they want to be doing yeah. and typically growing the uh, honey crisp yeah. for somebody else to pick is not it. But you know what? That, That's what makes great the apple. money. That works. I will say, you know, it is, culinary apples, eating apples are tasty if you're not you know, scared of them. But that is... I won't pull it. I'll leave it in the bag. But. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> but but we're, no. we're actually, we're more lucky. I mean, you go over to New York State, Washington State, I mean, it's like one apple. Like, you're looking at like acres of Macintosh or Red Delicious. Here, I mean, you can go up the road to Windy Hill, which we make a Windy Hill cider. I mean, we're lucky he's got Mutsu and Macowan, and he does have some Baldwins. Like, we actually get a little more diversity than most. Um yeah. And most people, frankly, are buying in from China. I mean, you get like fruit juice concentrate nowadays, and that's what usually your cider. If, frankly, if you're buying a cider that's on draft and in the grocery store, a large portion of that is going to be some kind of concentrated juice from either Washington State or China or something like that. And there's, you know, again, it's, it's a little bit of a different product. I'm not going to say that's right or wrong, but it's not what we make. Um, but it's I, been I've really derailed your story. No, no. <laughs> but I was trying to talk about also like the learning process of like agriculture in the Berkshires. Yeah. And what sustains farms and how maybe that's different from 
what we thought it was or what we want it to be. So again, we're looking for certain varieties of cider apples um, that in some ways we assumed would be grown here or we assumed that farmers would be like super excited about partnering with us. They have their own business model. They're excited to partner with us. But I think our next phase of growth will literally will be putting trees in the ground or partnering with an orchard to graft on the varieties that we really want because we are essentially bringing a new type of demand to the market that didn't exist before. So we're not the, you know, parents and kids and whoever wanting to pick apples in the fall, which again is a great business Mm -hmm. and does make a lot of money. Um, You know, it's a different thing. And like literally orchards look different if you're growing them for pick your own versus commercial. So what is yeah. a, what is five years from different. five years from now, what is like the most streamlined best for your business, both from an uh, economic standpoint, but also from a quality and taste standpoint, like what is that? What does that look like? Is it, you have your own operation or are you being given fruit from like the pickings that you want? Yeah, I think we still. I mean, you're gonna get two different. An- well, hopefully, yeah. you're not gonna get two different answers. Yeah, actually, this feels like a. This is therapy now. Yeah. This is dangerous. All right, cat, close your ears real quick, and we'll do this. Yeah, you blind. need a, you need a, like an isolation booth. Matt's I, like, I don't we, even fucking like cider. Yeah. <laughs> get me out of here. Actually, I like making IPAs. Let's go. We, I do not. We are not grow. I mean, I'm not a farmer. We are not in the orchard business. There might be a partnership. There might be ways to do that smartly, but you know, that's the correct answer. Yeah. It's a different (laughs) business altogether. I think the best case scenario is working with some of the orchards here and doing what Kat was just saying, where it's called top working because trees are apple trees are grafted. So if you want a different variety, you just chop them off and put your new grafts on and you get that new apple variety in five or year, five years, something like that. But, um, Convincing them pause, to do pause that. Pause real yeah, quick because yeah. I've seen videos of this, so I know what you're saying. Yeah. But essentially, imagine you cut a a limb yeah. off of a tree, right? Yeah. Well, let's start even farther back than okay. that. Because because this is fa- it's a fascinating concept. It's, yeah. We so can just graze over. Let's it, start way back at Apple 101. <laughs> so <laughs> apples don't grow true to seed. So every like every Granny Smith tree you've ever seen um, didn't grow from a seed. Just like people, right? If you put two strands of DNA together, you don't come out with a carbon copy of mom or dad or, you know, whoever. No, you get some new model. You get some new (laughs) model. Um, So unlike, you know, lots of plants, if you plant it, it'll grow exactly what it is. So every, like, Macintosh tree, Granny Smith, whatever, will start with a rootstock, um, which is literally, like, the, the... Uh, trunk of the tree and the roots and a bunch of branches whatever it is and then if you want a granny smith you uh this is not i mean again i'm not a farmer um but you chop off the branches and then you take a branch from a granny smith tree and you graft it on essentially you um fuse the two together yeah sort of like peeling back the bark a little bit it's a little bit of like a z graft and then you grow from that branch the apple that you want similar for all fruit yeah you know so a lot of fruit is like that in general but But that's also why you have like our community cider that's why it's so interesting because those are wild apples who knows what they are they've grown from seeds from who knows where apples will grow from seeds so if you and this is the thing so like cows you know you go to shaker village or any farm around here 
cows eat apples and then they deposit them usually <laughs> along the hedgerow because that's where they don't get mowed or whatever eaten down and that's where you see all these baby trees and you can see them right away if they survive if they're hardy and this is where you kind of get into this conversation about climate change and you know what what are new varieties that might come out that are going to be hardier it's going to work as as our temperature changes as our seasons changes um, but also you select them for taste so um we, we just planted some trees over at Arrowhead, which is Herman Melville's estate. Uh, but as we prepared the field for planting trees there, we left a lot of these wild apple trees that were just naturally there. We flagged them all in hopes that maybe one or two or three of them turn out to be incredible apples for cider, for eating or whatever. And then we'll take some cyan wood from those and graft them in. Yeah. You know, maybe we'll, uh, you know, name them Josh. I don't know. <laughs> To answer your question, though. Crazy. <laughs> and I, luckily we have the same answer, which is that ideally we will partner with an orchard and be able to top work a bunch of trees and grow an orchard of cider-specific apples. But also, um, sparked by our Hancock Shaker Village cider and now this orchard that we're planning at Arrowhead, my dream, Yeah. because this is one thing that I love about the Berkshires, is to have like a distributed like cultural orchard at sites like the Mount and Tanglewood and all these beautiful cultural institutions that have so much land and frankly already have apple trees, like bring that like arts and culture and agriculture of the Berkshires together and then literally like put it in a glass for people to enjoy at these places. And and in that vision, do you see all of these as site specific of like, our lineup is not IPA, Pilsner, this, but our lineup this year is Tanglewood, Maybe. Cantina, and like we have this one we only did 10 cases of, this yeah. one we were able to do 50 cases of, this one we were able to do 100. Maybe, or it could be, you know, we're going to plant golden russet trees at five different locations and blend those all together and oh, see yeah, cool. how the different growing conditions impact yeah. things. And yeah. it's I also it's, a little bit both. selfish because, you know... There's a lot of like fire blight and stuff that happens to trees. So if we like put them in different places, our whole orchard won't get destroyed all at once. Well, yeah. Being smart never hurts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I just love, I mean, again, like the things that I love about the Berkshires, the landscape, the arts and culture, uh, the opportunities for people to come together to enjoy all of them. So like that's literally what we're trying to do. What with this? <laughs> what a story in a glass right now. Yeah, it's I mean, great. I keep uh, it's literally looking right in front of me, and you're I staring really at the apples. To. I'm staring at apples, and it, it makes me think of of Dan Barber's uh, wasted program. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. As we're, mm-hmm. we're in tune to that of of like, look, there's there's something good in everything, and you were not afraid to show that quite literally on the label, yeah. and. I think I think that's a really cool one. And if just because I know there will be a couple of people that listen to this podcast, if somebody <laughs> is listening to this is like, holy shit, I have apples. I want to give them to these people. What's the best way to get in touch? So our website has info okay. and we're gonna be updating that soon for this fall. We usually start taking apples mid September as they get kind of ripe. We really love to take them later. Cider apples want to kind of hang on the tree and get really, really ripe. Because mostly then you're developing the sugars. If you pick them too early, if they drop too early, they don't have a lot of sugar. That's what makes the alcohol. That's what we're here for. 
Um, in, but, half, in half the amount. Yeah, yeah, in little <laughs> splits. But what's great about that program, too, is we've done this now twice, and we're going to continue and kind of expand on this. If you bring your apples, you know, if you bring a bushel or whatever we consider a bushel to be at the time being, I suppose, um, you know, you get a token, and then you get to come back. And if you bring a lot, you get bottles in the spring. If you bring one, you get one or two bottles and a gift or something like that. So we just had this party because we just released this like a week ago, and, you know, eight or nine people came back on a Sunday at Greylock Works uh, to taste the cider, drinking with their friends, bringing their families around, and walk out with their little bags of, you know, That's amazing. their apples. <laughs> and we want to expand that as much as possible. That is amazing. Yeah, it's really fun. And maybe, maybe it also kind of diverges into multiple strands. Maybe there is like a, you know, these are different styles. Right now, this is a kitchen sink, mm -hmm. but, you know, that could change as we kind of develop a little more specific. But I think the kitchen sink is fun because it yeah. lets you put out vintages. And, mm -hmm. yeah. and, like, why was 2019 different than 2020? Oh, man. Because of the apples. Talking language. Like, you know, like, that's just what it was. And we don't even know to a certain extent. You know? Well, two, two nailed it. <laughs> One is we You're are. Higher, this is a this is a bad <laughs> apple year. So apples are also biennial. So they like to kind of produce heavy one year and produce nothing the following year. And it's part of their self preservation, energy, that kind of stuff, bud development. So this year we're really struggling to see apples. We see them in some places. It's very micro. So it's not just like all Berkshire County's empty. It might be you know this town was kind of had a late frost or something. So it took a little longer. So we are going to be struggling for apples this year. So that's what we need. Um, but the other thing, and this is one little like cider 101, unlike wine, the best cider is always a blend. You know, we're going to do some single varieties. We have some single varieties coming up in the tasting room just out of interest. And we had a couple kegs of them. But the best cider is always a blend. I mean, there's just no way around it. There's never, you know, Wine is all about this is our one kind of king grape. This is what you do. This is how Chardonnay is. This is how Pinot is or whatever. That's just, I don't think, fundamentally true of cider. So, which is fun because it always lets you play with the balance. Um, and it always becomes a question of uh, how are you putting these puzzle pieces together. Do you do any single, single fruited stuff? Not right now, but like I said, we're going to have a Spitz. So um, Isopa Spitzenberg is a very famous apple uh, that started in New York State. We're going to have a couple kegs of that soon. Baking apple, right? Good baking apple. Um, big Thomas Jefferson apple for all you Thomas Jefferson fans out there. Um, Yay. Complicated. <laughs> <laughs> Thomas Jefferson's uh, cider maker was a female enslaved woman. Yes. Very Putting important. that out there. <laughs> that's the important thing to remember. Yeah, that, that's, you know, that's the other funny thing about cider is I definitely got into cider. There's a little bit of Americana about it. I mean, there certainly is because it is a big part of our history. But for a long time, the story was like, well, your founding fathers. This was Benjamin Franklin's was TJ's like favorite, uh, you know, apple, <laughs> not Tijuana, but TJ. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think we're finally seeing a little more complicating yeah. that history in the right way and as we are in society in general. But, like, yeah, there was, there was for a long time, cider was this thing that was kind of about, like, you know, the 1800s, this heritage, right, was the word. And I think now we're really trying to be more forward-thinking while also realizing how much, you know, input in the past was led. I mean, look... 
cider apples for a long time and apples and cider making generally were part of the household. So naturally, uh, it would have been led by women in the household and in, you know, in larger areas, obviously by enslaved people. So, um, you know, that's part of the history. So I think, yeah, relying too much on like the idea of heritage. Yeah, Thomas Jefferson was not like pressing his own apples. He, no, he wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, can we open this up? I don't know yeah. how much one of more my, cider we want to drink. My, but. Which which? One of my favorite olives oh, yeah. actually is the Thomas Jefferson. But Kat, I have a I have a question for you while yeah. we crack open the next one. Uh, so we are now sitting together on the what are they calling us? The council or the yeah the the re rescheming committee i don't know there's, there's so many names <laughs> mm-hmm. for these things um but kat and i ran into each other as at yeah. a berkshire grown event um and we were asked to join the group to help me out here the, the communications committee no, but, but pre oh. pre the comm committee like the entire group oh, was like the the d- board strategic, strategic development yeah. or strategic direction for berkshire grown yeah um and I'm curious as, as I don't mean to call you a newcomer here in this town, but so quickly to be hopping into uh, a great organization like Berkshire Grown and to have in our Zoom meetings and personal meetings such a, a care and attention to that, where that kind of, why? Because as a <laughs> new business owner, I always gave the excuse that I'm too fucking busy right now. Like I, I'm, I'm all on board, but no, and, and you seem to keep showing up, which is amazing. And I'm curious, like, <laughs> Where that comes from, just to talk a little bit about Berkshire Grown and your involvement with the community development stuff that we got going on. Yeah. Well, first, first I'll just say this is our sour quint cider, which is probably my favorite, um, made largely because my parents have had two quince trees in their backyard for about 40 years that no one has ever done anything with. So we made this cider with it, which is so fucking awesome. Very delicious. It's a little bit of everything. Yeah. Like floral, perfumey, vegetal, funky, yeah. a little funky, yeah. funky. really funky. great with food. I mean, this with cheese is totally different than even by the glass. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, I mean, part of it is I can't help myself. I see like a good <laughs> cause and I want to be part of it. But I mean, so I, again, I've been around the Berkshire since I was a kid. I love it very dearly here. I, I truly think when we were planning our wedding, um, I got to know the Berkshires in a different way. We had our rehearsal dinner at Cricket Creek and I got to know them really well. And frankly, to sort of see a little bit that gave me my, honestly, my first glimpse into what it means to like run an agricultural business in the Berkshires. Um, and they make an incredible product and they work so hard and then starting this business. And again, like we rely on farms and farming, uh, in this region we're not farmers. We don't, by and large, grow our own trees. We planted a couple over at Greylock Works, <laughs> <Yeah>. but <laughs> that's not going to make a lot of cider. Um, and starting to understand like the economics and really the reality of what farming means in the Berkshires um, is so interesting to me. It's so personal. Um, as soon as you start like stepping into that world, you start like knowing. Not in like a cutesy, like I go to the farmer's market and I know my farmer, but like, no, the players, you get to know people like so personally and, um, and it's hard. I mean, farming in the Berkshires is a specific thing. It's not the Hudson Valley. 
it's not the Pioneer Valley. It's not, I said this today, it's not, you know, the Midwest. Like it is a very specific thing. Small scale farmers, really expensive land, very um, like discerning customer base. Uh, and I think there's some incredible things coming out of the Berkshires, but I don't think there's enough. Again, I grew up here and it was only five years ago that I really started to understand what was happening here in terms of farming. behind the scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Which is people like putting a lot of love and passion and money and sweat and more sweat, more sweat <laughs> into this thing. And, and it's also like part of what makes the Berkshires the Berkshires. And so if we don't have that, I think it's a real loss. So I jumped at the chance when I was asked to join that. And I think that's a big part of our mission too, is like highlighting what it means to make food and make food products in the Berkshires. We could, I mean, again, as Matt said, like we could get apple juice out of China any day of the week, but we choose to source locally because I mean, A, it's in our name and B, it's like part of our mission. We love it here and we want to make something that literally celebrates being in the Berkshires. So yeah. And yeah. gives it a purpose. And yeah. in today's meeting, Kat and I had a, we actually joined up on the communications subcommittee and we're talking about, what's the biggest thing we want people to capture from the website? And when it came down to is location, is really making sure people feel like they're in the Berkshires. The second yeah. they get to that page, the second they start exploring that page, they know where they are because there's so much farming happening. And we have a very, as you said, unique and special farming community that is not widespread and massive. It is so personal. Um, and I, I so often... Part of the reason I'm still doing what I'm doing is because of that feedback of getting from the customer, from your end participant in what you do, the the celebration, the excitement about that. And that keeps me going more than the, well, I want to say red, but the money or whatever <laughs> money happens to trickle into the bank account at the end of the day comes. And I know that the farmers don't exactly get that same celebration or even Emily, you know, I go home and I'm in a good mood after working a shift. And that's because I had that reinforcement of somebody saying, thank you. Yeah. Like you work so hard and my, and I'm doing a better, I enjoyed myself because of that. I think the farmers get a little, I don't want to say overlooked because we do a relatively good job celebrating them, but to have someone like you step in and introduce yourself and become a community member in that circle saying, my goal is to create a business off of that showcases your hard work in a different way. Uh, you know, you guys are a, a value added product, right? You mm -hmm. take yep. apples, whether they're good apples or weird, ugly, weird, apples. ugly <laughs> weird apples. apples, bruised apples, takes um, all kinds <laughs> and, and making something that somebody can simply digest. No pun intended. You know, it's, it's yeah. understandable. We took that. We took, this guy's apples, this girl's apples and whatnot. And yeah, I think that is, that's a great premise. And I always like to just shed the most utmost appreciation to those that create businesses out of, out of that context. In fact, a quick, quick side story. <laughs> My dad said that he met Malcolm Gladwell at a benefit dinner or something. And he really wanted to come up with a good question to ask him. He wanted to say <laughs> something to him. He didn't know what it would be. Oh boy. So, so he, he went up to, to Malcolm and he said, I, I just, I'm a big fan of your work. 
but I got one question for you. Do you start with a premise and then develop kind of, or a question and, and kind of figure out the answer to it? Or do you start with the answer and work backwards and kind of figure out everything that came before it to get there? And his answer was, yes. <laughs> ah, that's a good answer. Right? Which, which is awesome. And I think that what your business model and why I'm so excited about what you guys are doing is it does exactly that. And it says, I, I found the passion making cider, but my business is going to be starting with my product and going backwards and mm-hmm. exploring yeah. not what can I do with it because I figured that part out. Yeah. But what, but what can I do with something great that somebody else did to, to highlight it, to support them, the partnerships, the collaborations, mm-hmm. the fact that you have on the couple of places that I've had some ciders from with you and showcasing those businesses. And you guys do an amazing job. Your brand is fantastic yeah. and looks so fucking cool. And yeah, that's so fun inviting. too. It's all, I do it in-house, which is fun. It's another way to kind of stretch the creativity muscles. So, but I also, sorry, moment, moment of Bravo. <laughs> Thank you. Because I'll take it. Yeah. Because I'll take I, it. I do, I do truly think that we need more businesses that are not just about the bottom line, but truly looking at how can we make an impact in a community with our skill set. Yeah. And you guys have done just that. So thank you. Well, I, I mean, I would point that right back at you, honestly. Yeah. I mean, no, but like, I think again, I, I grew up, a lot of my time in Lennox as a kid, going to Tanglewood, doing all the like Berkshire things, which I love. I continue to love. But what's really exciting to me is things like Cantina, things like Prairie Whale, like all these like, I don't know, businesses that feel like they are bringing a uh, renewed energy to the Berkshires. And like the fact that businesses like that exist is why we felt like we could offer this product here. Yeah. Um, it's also because I would have said 10 years ago, there's no way like it's <laughs> <laughs> that's not the Berkshires that I don't know. It would have been like, I guess we got to go to like the Hudson Valley or whatever. Yeah, or it's too fancy or people won't show yeah. up. Yeah. But now I feel like there is a place for this kind of thing. There's a community for it. We also I mean, Berkshires, like a lot of places in, uh, you know, upstate New York or certainly Long Island. I mean, if you're sort of regional to Boston or New York, as we are. You know, it's seasonal. It's it's definitely a tourist business. You're picking up in people who either are coming here on their on a vacation or they've been coming here for 40 years with their families. I mean, and that's always a balance in these towns, right? It's your your town, your locals, who we also are deeply connected to because of projects like the Community Cider. But we also love folks who, like, now for three years or two years now, you know, have come from Boston. They're like, oh, yeah, right. Now we always stop at Berkshire Cider Project. Yeah. Like that, we're now part of somebody's experience of what it means to be here. In the same way that I feel like you are all the time too. I mean, you have people who are like, "Well, we're in Great Barrington for the weekend, as we always do over, you know, this weekend in August with my family, and we go to Cantina two times, and we do this, um, and that's great, and that's important." I grew up in upstate New York, where you know the Finger Lakes region when I was growing up was just getting kind of started, mm. and I don't know too much about it because I was a little further east of there, but. You know, the wine industry there for a hot second was like kind of looked down on and now is really kind of coming to its own. And I think people are finally starting to realize it's okay. It's okay to be a destination. It's okay to be that thing that caters to that tourist and to it's almost not even tourism. It's just people enjoying 
these beautiful places. I mean, you know, we used to live in a big city. We lots of people live in you know other areas, and they want to kind of they spend their time and their vacation as they want. And there's no reason that we can't cater to that and be that special thing. And that all kind of comes back to to like a business decision of like we're not in the Hudson Valley, we're not in Vermont, we're not outside I love Berkshire the County. Valley, really, by the way. I feel like yeah. we're no, 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 it's fantastic. <laughs> but it's, you know, we want to be that special thing that when you come to Berkshire County, you get a Berkshire cider. And maybe you aren't going to get it in New York. Or maybe you can't, I mean, mostly because we don't have a lot of time on our hands, ship it right now. That is something we like to change. But you know, shipping shipping cider, like we want to... Uh, uh, D- direct to consumer? Direct to consumer. I mean, we, we would, we'd like to do maybe a cider club in the future. But mostly out of that same mentality of like... Okay, so you spend maybe some time in your summer in the Berkshires. So when Thanksgiving comes around, wouldn't you like Berkshire cider on your Thanksgiving table? Yes, and please. we can do a special deal and you <laughs> yes. know ship it out to you. So that, but it's 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 really it isn't about it being available to you all the time. It still is that special thing remind that reminds you, yeah. you of this place where you probably have a lot of special memories. Maybe you got married there. Maybe your family spent some time there. I like that idea. Yeah. So putting uh, Berkshires on the map. Yeah. Yeah, but in, in, in the right places, not as like a everything yeah. all the time, like, yeah, you know, but uh, if, if I got an e- if I didn't live around here and I was familiar with you guys and I got an email saying, hey, Thanksgiving's around the corner and to all of our yeah. members, we're offering, you know, four pack cases shipped for Thanksgiving orders must be Curated. by this date, yep. blah, blah, blah. It comes with two different ciders, both that we think will work with the table. Yep. Because guess what? We know exactly what you're making for Thanksgiving yeah, this yeah. year. <laughs> um. <laughs> Not much diversity there. Yeah, that. what what goes good with uh, you know Sprite fried turkey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Marshmallow, <Just> yeah, <laughs> that's right. We'll come up with that. Yes. Yeah, but it's great. I mean, honestly, and it can't. I just can't overstate it enough. Because we look, we were professionals. We sat behind desks for a long time, and those were rewarding jobs. But there's nothing like in our tasting room after you've been working six days a week. You know, maybe I was there at 3 a.m. the night before, filtering a cider, trying to get it ready for the weekend or something like that, or or fighting with some machine. And then you're up the next day, and you have to open and you have to put on the friendly face for your tasting room. But then someone comes in, and they say, you know, hey, we've we're from Boston. This is the weekend we're here. And we drove here the minute you opened to buy our case of cider that we bring back with us and have for the next couple months. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know. It's, more of a it's pick, great. More of a pick-me-up than any cup it's of amazing. coffee or cocaine I you could ever I can't trade it for the world. Yeah, I'll take both, but yeah. that's, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's... And it's just it's the two of you now? Not quite. So we yeah, um, story. just hired our first full-time employee. Yeah. assistant cider maker oh. and then we have another assistant cider maker who comes one to two days a week from northampton and also does some deliveries out there also does some deliveries so out there northampton, yeah provisions what's up dirty truth yeah i yep. love them um and then we also will be hiring in the fall for harvest and production so if anyone wants to come pick apples 10 bar 10 bar <laughs> um give me a day off but yeah we have our first full-time employee which is amazing feels really rewarding too. I mean, that's like, that's also the thing. I mean, you know this, but like building a business where you can employ someone for, you know, a relatively good wage who like takes on your mission as Mm -hmm. their own. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just incredible. Yeah. It's really incredible. I just bought a book 
that I'll I'll share with you guys when I'm done with it, but it's called Culture. And actually, Rafa, you were there, right? It was yeah. the Night of the Cider uh, event that we did. Rafa was leaving, and I walked into his car, and as, as I was saying goodnight to him, some guy comes up to me and goes, excuse me, are you the owner? I said, oh, God. You like depends. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yes. Yes, I am. And he was like, I just wanted to let you know that I had the most amazing meal here tonight, and your host, Jeff, took the utmost care of us. That's amazing. And I now know everything I need to know about you from my experience from, mm-hmm. with Jeff. Amazing. And that hit me so hard. Like, that made me so fucking happy. It hit you so hard that you even asked him to give you a massage after. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, said, what do you, I said, what do you do? He goes, I'm a massage therapist. And I, oh, I, I, turned, I, I turned to him, and the next five minutes of our conversation were fantastic. I was like, oh. <laughs> and I knew he was a good one, too, because as soon as he touched my back, he was like, oh, good God. <laughs> It's like, you got a lot of stress. <laughs> like, I'm going to be here for a minute. Yeah. But uh, he said he had just finished writing this book called Culture. Oh, nice. And he has his own business separate from his, his uh, masseuse or <laughs> physical therapy business. Uh, and he said that that is, that is really his main focus right now is how do you create a culture that allows it to transcend the intensity and the love that you both share. And you yeah. guys are on the beginning of that journey right now. Yeah. And, and it's a... It's a practice of hiring. It's a practice of implementing. It's a practice of letting go a little bit. And my man, Danny Meyer, has one of my favorite sayings of all time, constant gentle pressure. Constant gentle pressure, always. Yeah. Um, and I think that, I think that, that is, that's something that we all as business owners should be looking towards as far as how do we, how do we continue to create culture? Because you guys are great. You know? And... The building that I bought in New Marlboro is great, but how do we make sure that it's it's going to continue yeah. to be great as we grow? Because you can't do everything yourself, too. I mean, like, that's the goal, right, is that you're not doing everything with your own two hands every minute of every day. Like, you need other people to buy into it, bring their own ideas. Mm-hmm. It's it's also, It's easy to be seduced by that, like, sense of, oh, I did all this, too. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think we've mm-hmm. felt that like it's easy to be seduced to say like, oh, I bottled twelve hundred bottles yesterday myself. Yeah. And I labeled them myself. And, you know, at the end of the day, that ain't as impressive if I can say, you know, I taught someone I taught that. someone how to bottle. And so then I can go do this other stuff. Right. That actually makes us more money. And then yeah. they taught someone else how to bottle or how to blend or do something like and that was a big that was a, probably the best thing I've learned, actually, is to not be so focused on what I can do, but be focused on like what I'm enabling other people to do. And as long as it's also then focused on the value and the product, that's the dream. Yeah. And I mean, that's a lesson, you know, we knew we'd learn some lessons, but that's not a lesson, you know, you went in thinking you'd figure out. It yeah, just I'm going gonna, I'm to be a good teacher. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Said nobody ever. Yeah. Shout out to all the public school teachers. <laughs> really? They're, they're doing a great job and we truly appreciate all of your help. Yeah, especially me and Rafa with our children. But, that is correct. <laughs> um, yeah, we've. I mean, three years in now, we've learned more than I ever thought you could learn. I mean, my respect for small business owners, little husband wife owners too. I mean, it's you know, it's it's both rewarding uh, and challenging to work with a partner. Um, it's 
the we bat. still like each other. Yeah, so we still like each other. <laughs> I know. Um, uh, just, <laughs> Rafa, can you just put Emily in here so I can give her a, yeah. quiz, a, a quiz real quick? <laughs> give her a quince. I, 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 I totally, totally agree. It's a, it, there's so much joy that comes out of it, but it's also something that most relationships should yeah. not have to go through uh, because that's, that's a battle. Yeah. day in and day out that consumes you. Yeah. And and it's, it's constant. I mean, you know, you still work at it and as things change, as other employees come into, you know, as a business change, I suppose, it, like, you know, that relationship changes too in terms of your relationship to the business and how you interact with it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we keep taking on bigger projects and so can't it goes ourselves. from there. Yeah, can't help <laughs> ourselves. So, so we are hoping to expand this year. So we're hoping to grow and be able to produce more cider. Um but you know, we still want to be this regional sort of focus. And uh, who designed your us. labels? Those are super cool. And yeah, say more about it. He would, he would really <laughs> like you to say more. Thank you. I, so I do all our labels. So I'm a theater designer, a quasi architect by trade. I did a lot of graphic work because basically I had to pay rent in my twenties. Um, I'm not the fastest graphic designers my wife will tell you so it always <laughs> takes a little while to get the right labels on order and not have to pay a lot for of, overnight lot of rush, shipping yeah, yeah a, lot a lot of rush, rush fees <laughs> but there's the story there is also it's a little deliberate so two things one cider for a lot of good reasons often has a little bit of a farmy vibe to it a little bit of a, and and cider in general also tends to have like a little haze or like the cider itself is a little rough or a little vinegary you know and that's great and we drink a lot of that stuff all the time but we knew we needed to be this kind of like entry point cider those clean crisp and that translates to the design too so we wanted a really modern fresh design that felt like it fit with modern natural wines and anything trendy but we're also down the road from ass mocha so that's the big draw people come to north adams where our tasting room is where we're based in production to go to Mass Mocha, and so a lot of our labels are inspired by, I mean, directly by artists there. So we have a label for our pet nap that is has a circle cut out, and it's a James Terrell, you know, ripoff. And it's like I'm Drake, basically, right? I'm just doing a James Terrell. <laughs> Can you tell? I'm Drake of the cider world. I'm calling it now. If you don't call your own shot, come on. <laughs> They used to call me while I was making cider. (laughs) Late night when I'm filtering. Well, Kat Kat also grew up in Toronto, so we're you know we're looped in here. Oh yeah. Um, (laughs) So we've got that. I mean, the the champagne label is based on this graffiti artist who I really like. Our Windy Hill is based on like a solid wit, and he's uh, Mass Mocha has a bunch of solid wits there. Um, So we're trying to keep that kind of going. We're also for the first time. There's a hotel in North Adams called Taurus. Um, really, really wonderful boutique hotel. We made a cider from their apples this year, and they are going to design the label. That's so, so funny. So I it's think the first is, one we're letting this is go. The fourth episode, which I love. third at least third episode in a row that we give a shout out to tourists. Oh, yeah, well, this, damn this right. Is how you get, this is how you get <laughs> the sponsorship money. <laughs> yeah, damn right. <laughs> Maybe they'll no, give you a cocktail when you go the there. Check. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I, my next question was actually about North Adams because. You know, we typically do this at night, and it's hard to to get people down here from from North County. And I'm curious for those. Yeah. You know, you said you spent time in Lenox as a kid. What brought you to North Adams specifically? And also, give us a little bit of update on what's going on up there, because so many people, especially down here in South so County, <laughs> only really know North Adams as Mass Mocha. Well, that is probably what brought us there in the first place. Okay, <laughs> um, because I love Mass Mocha and. 
it's just the best. And we got married there, so I love oh, it. Yeah. Cool. Um, but I fell in love with North Adams. I mean, there's so much cool stuff going on. So Chingon, who does tacos at your Monday and Tuesday taco nights. Chingon. Um, <laughs> Chingon. Justin and Mariah are the absolute best. They started their taco truck in the Mass Mocha courtyard right next to Bright Ideas, which is another great spot. Um, tourists has really like changed the game. I think in North Adams, great cocktails, go to the airport rooms. The best. Um, we also love the old school spots like the golden Eagle up on the hairpin turn, get a great view, get a Manhattan jukebox, Kino. Awesome. (laughs) Um, we've also been supported like literally from day one by Meze, which is technically in Williamstown, but we'll include them on this list. Um, I mean, just, Still continue. I feel like there's a kindred spirit in terms of approach to menu and food. Um, Definitely. But North Adams, I mean, it's got, it is kind of a place of opportunity where, you know, you have people who grew up there and they're seeing what Mass Mocha did and how they're changing it. And maybe they're part of that or they're just happy that their town has this new thing happening after it kind of took some hard years. And then, you know, MCLA is up there, which is the school, which is the college. And a lot of those kids stay there afterwards and have started a small business or frankly bought real estate that, you know, is really undervalued and have upped it and maybe they're renting it or maybe they're just converting it for their own house and they're starting businesses. They work for us too. Yeah. A lot of times they work (laughs) for us and they need to pick, you know, there's lots of artists up there, lots of music, musicians. It's kind of got this great uh, community right now, which I would also say, and you know, so we're a woman-owned business, so Kat is, you know, really running the business. She is the mastermind behind how this even functions. All you the know, spreadsheets. I sort of stumble along figuring out what tastes right. <laughs> yeah, and spend three weeks working on a label. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, awesome, right. it looks only good. Only to spend hundreds of dollars more to have it there the next day <laughs> for a release day. You know, yeah, you know. You said it, not me. But there's also, like, North Adams is... I mean, there's so many incredible women who are also running businesses up there, which, you know, again, we're kind of new to this world of small business ownership, but it does feel unique, too. And I think it's because there's so much opportunity. So whether it's like uh, a couple of vintage stores like Savvy Hive or Terra or Plant Connector, which are all women owned business or, um, you know, for a while, the brewery was woman run sort of in terms of the business operations. A lot of the folks at Taurus are running it. And Meze itself, Nancy, has been, mm-hmm. you know, just amazing and what she's done for the uh, Williamstown and North Adams community. So I don't know. It's a special place. Um, it's definitely worth the drive. It is, you know, it's amazing. People come to Berkshire County. You think it's, you know, close, but it is an hour drive. But make north, sure if, yeah, if you come to North Adams, go to Mass Mocha, but then also stick around, stick around, walk around, drive down to Greylock Works where we are. Yeah. Go to the break room. Yeah. Stay, stay at tourists. And yeah, again, more, more reasons to just praise you guys is, is recently on Instagram, you just put out like a, our favorite list. And I don't even know how you did that, but that seems to be <laughs> something that Instagram allowed you to do. I and learned about that from Nina at Taurus. You feel, yeah. you, I think you're one of the few people that t- took the opportunity to do something with that feature. Uh, but to you can go to the Berkshire Cider Project Instagram and see highlights in different areas of, of what these all guys like. All our favorite spots in the Berkshire. All your yeah. favorite spots, which I highly recommend hitting all of them. Uh, and Emily and I recently just did an overnight for our anniversary up to Taurus. Nice. 
And I truly felt like I was in a totally different place. Yeah. I mean, you know, call it a staycation if you want. You know, we did an hour and 20 minute drive and stayed Far at Taurus, had dinner at Taurus. That was where we met the Chingon crew. They were doing a yeah. pop up there that night. We drove to you. You were closed on because we vacation on Mondays. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, we, and that's why we're open Mondays. Uh, okay. I mean, now we are. Now, now we are. are yeah. Now we are. Yeah. Maybe it was too, maybe woke up <laughs> Tuesday and I was like, I want some cider. <laughs> we're also super, I don't, this, I feel like I didn't say this, but it's important to say it's a special place because also like if we look back on who's helped us and who we've sort of hired, whether it's hourly or whatever for a short period of time, it has been during COVID, it was a group of musicians and sort of uh, someone who now leads hikes on the AT, which goes through there. So folks who were sort of out of work, uh, but wanted the hours. Uh, for a while, one winter, we had a young woman who um, runs Fullwell Farm. Mm -hmm. She was like our delivery person and was dealing with the fermentations while we were back and forth. But now she's running this incredible farm, which supplies a lot of the food to various restaurants in North County. It's this incredible place where, especially because we're the size we are, we're not necessarily going to lock down a bunch of full-time people which means we actually get to meet all these different people mm. who maybe are picking up something here or there. We've hired uh, students from Williams College who wanted to come over, who halfway through we found out we had to pick them up because they don't have a car. Newsflash, that's how it's always <laughs> yeah, going to yeah. work. We didn't really see it that way, but like, that was fine, too, and she yeah. was the best. And so, you know... We and actually, and then we've had folks who are retired who are picking apples and pressing apples with us, and have all these incredible stories about different things they've done in their life. I don't know. It's that's super rewarding, especially at our size right now. So, uh, if you're in North Adams and you wanted to press some apples, bottle some stuff, let us know. <laughs> what do you What do you feel now that you're what three years, two years into it? Two years, almost into three. Well, well, three years. Three, yeah. What? Because this is what. I'm asking everybody that works with me, what's your what's your biggest pressure point right now? Which one do you want? Ooh. Do we want to open more? Let's let's, let's do one. More. Let's do one more. Yeah, doesn't hurt. What's that one? Yeah. Shaker Village? Yeah. Heck yeah. Shaker Village. That's all familiar with Hancock Shaker Village. Hancock Shaker Village. <laughs> Give us a little background on, on so this cider and then Hancock we'll Shaker Village the... is actually First and foremost, it's the oldest working farm in the Berkshires. Huh. Um, it goes back to the Shakers, which are sort of a utopian uh, sect, kind of an offshoot of the Quakers. So you get Quakers, you get Shakers. Uh, <laughs> but they built this, you know, we, they built We these, shake the trees, yeah, so, they, you know. Yeah. They built this beautiful, you know, utopian vision there. There's all these kind of historic buildings. And it kind of covers as an institution now a lot of different things. So it's, you can go there, it has farm, has baby animals, has all that kind of gardens, things like that. It also has these beautiful historic buildings with shaker furniture is a really big thing and there's lots of people who are obsessed with shaker furniture and come Guilty. there and buy stuff. High quality <laughs> yeah. stuff, Guilty. incredible stuff. Sure. Shaker hooks people are familiar with, very utilitarian. Shakers also invented a lot of stuff um, in the 1800s, like they invented the circular saw or the table saw, something like that. The flat and broom. The flat broom. Did you know? Not a haircut, but a broom. You know. <laughs> What's a flat broom? Like the broom that you, like a, like with not a, the witch's broom that's like, you know, round with everything going out. Mm -hmm. Like the flat broom like you use. Like a push broom? Yeah, that's no, cut no, no. out. Well, like kinda, the one you use in your home. Oh, that's, that. that's cut, Evolution. trimmed yeah. too. Okay. Yeah. 
So they were Someone very, invented and they, I mean, they were very inventive. Why didn't I think of that? <laughs> 150 years ago. But they have this beautiful orchard there. At, we think it's about 75 to 100 years old. Yeah, it wouldn't be the original sugar. Apple trees yeah. don't beautiful last color. hundreds of years. But. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's all these like very cider specific apples. Hubberston Nunsuch, Roxbury Russet. Uh, Rhode Island Gravenstein, Rhode Island Greeny. And what were they doing with them before? Nada. Nada. Truly nothing. They went into some of the CSA. They have a nice CSA there, both fruit and vegetables and meat there. Um, it's where the baby animals go. They become the meat CSA. <laughs> Spilling the beans. Um. <laughs> Don't tell your kids. What's, what's the scene from Ace Ventura? He's like, <laughs> We deal with apple guts. That's what we do. Yeah, don't tell your kids. Okay. Um, anyway. But so they've got these beautiful incredible orchard. trees, beautiful orchard, and we kind of called them up and said, what are you doing with them? Because one thing we did when we first started this, we knew we wanted a lineup that was like, we want a dry cider, we want a champagne cider, and then we wanted a forage cider. This was before the community project, so Shaker Village was kind of that first, we're going to go out, we're going to harvest apples, we're going to blend them ourselves and uh, figure out what comes of it. But it's been an incredible partnership as we've also discovered more apples around the property. Uh, we're going to plant some trees there as trees kind of, you know, come at their age. Um, it's been a place where we've taught grafting or um, pruning workshops and had like tasting. It was really fun. We have a cider maker's dinner there every year with uh, Bimmy Cafe, which is the cafe there. Really, really excellent um, chef. And we were able this year to also taste cider that we made from a single tree. So we're also kind of testing, trying to understand what is a Rhode Island greening? What is this yellow apple that I don't know what it is? Mm-hmm. How does that contribute to the cider? Um, well, because that allows you to the next year as you're doing. Field blend it. Yeah. yeah you have a little bit of control of. Exactly. Uh, well, I know this is going to give me a lot of bitter and I want to add a little touch of sweetness and also a little bit of this. And mm-hmm. exactly. knowledge is power. And I will say what's interesting about that. So we have done three releases of this, which is wild to me. Because, again, it still feels like we're just starting. Um, And there is something to terroir. And so the first question we get is like, well, how is this different from last year? And we've tasted them all three back to back. And there's definite differences, both in the harvest, the apples we chose, the techniques we used. But what's most amazing to me, actually, and this is surprising, is how similar they are. And yet how different that bottle is then from, let's say, our community or a dry, which are similar techniques. Mm-hmm. So what that tells you, yes, there's some variation year to year, but it really talks about place. Mm-hmm. So Shaker Village, because it's wild yeast, we don't add yeast to it. We don't really do anything to it other than press it and put it in a barrel and you know wait for it to kind of finish. That has a specific taste. If we went one farm over, it would have another taste. Certainly when we do the community, it tastes completely different. Mm -hmm. So that's really exciting and just kind of fun to think about, you know, the story of apples being also of a place, not just of the apple. Have you Um, tried, have you tried any uh, uh, pear ciders? Perry, Perry's scary. Uh, (laughs) You know. Sorry. (laughs) Got her. That's, that's an inside cider maker joke there. Perry scary. Perry scary. <laughs> Hilarious. Say, you guys don't pears, get that? Other joke, pears for your heirs. <laughs> like pear trees grow, like they take forever to grow and mature. Yeah. 
pears are so soft. Too. They're, they're so, so they rot so store. quickly. They're really really difficult. So we haven't made a pear yet. I'd love to. There we found a, the right person, there is the right kind tree. Of like a crab pear. No? There, there well, that's like the thing a, too. So a lot of people around here grow like Bartlett pears or pears that are these kind of culinary pears, much like apples. They don't make great perry. Right. So we put some actually, oh, don't tell the TTB, uh, <laughs> but some are in our community cider where we get like a handful of pears and maybe they get tossed and maybe they don't. Oh, um, that's what I was getting yeah, on you that? Were getting oh. that. You were getting a handful of my fingerprint <laughs> on a pear. Um, it's a little intimidating. We've been more happy with our quince experiment at this point, mm. but who knows? Who knows what comes next? Yeah. We'd like to do more. This is the so future looking as we kind of expand our production, the tasting room grows and we're going to be able to do more experiments in the tasting room. So even right now we have some rhubarb cider kind of blending away. And From 328 have, Farm. Yeah. Another, you know, North County farm. And we have some hop cider and we want to do some more botanical. I'd love to do, frankly, like a dandelion cider. So dandelion wine slash cider. We do some great uh, co-ferments as well. So hopefully the tasting room will offer some of those things because this is the other difference between cider and beer is people come in, they're like, oh, what's new? We don't release a new cider every week. It's not like a beer where you can just kind of churn it out. So we're trying to come up with ways to have things that are new and keep, keep people coming, but also just learn. I mean, there is such a benefit to our size, and I think this is unique to Berkshire County in that we're able to be small mm-hmm. and survive uh, because it gives us the time to learn and really perfect the craft um, or even figure out what the rules are of this craft. I, I, I went into it the same way. Yeah. I had no idea what I was doing, but yeah. you know what? We had a great space. And, and you guys have changed a lot. I mean, you've, you've really, a lot. and that says everything, right? Yeah. If but, you're but able in to the kind of pivot. You know, I, I came up with one menu and was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's see what happens from here. And sure enough, here we are. Years later, yeah. So tell me both in your own opinions what what are the what are the kinks in your business model gotcha. as a as a food? You are a food product of some sorts, uh, and and what are the things that make it extra challenging? And feel free to give as much or as little detail as possible, and rage and turn red. Because <laughs> I know I would if somebody asked me that question today. Um. I, I would, I mean, I would frame it more as like a learning experience. What have we learned? Um, cause I try and be positive, <laughs> but no, I mean, I th- we are talking about supply chain, which I think has been a real learning experience and how do we secure our supply chain or find partnerships that work for us? Cause again, we're very committed to sourcing from the Berkshires. So then the problem to solve is how do we get what we want mm-hmm. here? Um, I think the tasting room has been a really big learning experience for us. I'm sure Matt will talk about this, but Matt was dead set against doing flights. Um, he was like, no flights, only glasses. <laughs> Everyone can be an adult and order a glass of cider and shut up. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like me. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but the truth like is, it. I mean, you have to learn from your customer and our customer, like we're not a restaurant. We're not a wine bar as much as we want to be. And hopefully in the future, we will be more of that right now our tasting room is like a corner of our production space. Um, so people are not coming and like hanging out and whatever. So now we offer flights. Those are really annoying, but they're also great and people learn a lot. Um, 
to be clear, they're they're annoying because all flights are annoying at bars, yes. just in terms of serving and glassware. They're not. We don't have the right. We love the customer experiencing yes. the flight, and that's really what they're coming for. If they made the journey to North Adams, yeah, they get a taste, you know, six ciders. Which but we great. realize that what we're offering to people is an experience of trying a bunch of things, learning about cider. It's not about coming in, getting your glass, chatting with your friend. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's about learning, and so. Uh, yeah. So that's like all of what we do is just chat with people all day, which we love to do. And I think it's going to be an interesting thing as we scale that like not everybody can get 20 minutes with each of us every time they come in as you might feel the same way. But how can we still provide, but how can you still provide that like learning experience, that engagement, that kind of like welcoming. What's like you were saying about your, uh, host or your, floor manager yeah you know yeah doing a that really good job of selling what it is your vision is and what you're about from the beginning i told every staff member customers should feel like they got a hug from me and emily yeah on the way in and on the way out yeah Yeah. i don't know who they are but that's the feeling i want to make sure they have yeah and giving those people agency too to you know when somebody runs our tasting room they are a big part of it too. They're part of the team. Mm-hmm. You know, it's everyone is all in on this kind of vision of what we're trying to bring to cider, what we're trying to bring to North Adams. Um, I don't know. What are you annoyed by? Yeah, Matt, what, <laughs> what, what, what grinds your gears? She's still in the room. No. <laughs> Just kidding. No, she keeps this place together. I mean, I can joke about that because yeah. it is the opposite of truth. It is. Here's the other thing. I mean, as much of a challenge as I think, doing a husband wife team is and i i think there's real difficulty you know certainly um keeping your income going keeping you know like we both have these other jobs there is nothing more rewarding than having someone you trust like deep down and also who knows you and can call you out on your shit too yep. like i don't know what you're talking about no it's <laughs> deeply important both just in like how you're managing stuff but even in flavor like i mean i ha- i have a strong sense of the cider my hands are in, but like, you know, she will cut right through that and be like, well, I don't like that or that isn't working or that isn't what I want. And then I have to just completely rethink my ego. Right. Yep. Um, which is a honest and (laughs) humble exercise, but very necessary for growth. Yeah. It's because yeah, we actually, that's really interesting because I think something about these businesses is that experience of taking your kernel of an idea which you feel strong and you're full in your forming in your brain. You're really like kind of flushing out. You have to believe in it, but then watching it yeah. become someone else's idea, watching it become the person who's managing your tasting room and then watching it sort of kernel the into the customer. Yeah, the cu- and it's going to change each time. It changes slightly each time it becomes that person. Well, this feels very COVID related. I don't know. This is very no, <laughs> viral. But it's funny you say that because <laughs> we're just transmitting our ideas. I actually, I think, I think that's a style. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be, you don't necessarily have to be in that way. Cause there are it's plenty true. of restaurants and, and businesses that are, Shove it this down your is the lane yeah. we want to be in. And even after talking to Matt Rubiner a couple weeks yeah. ago, I found a whole new level of respect and appreciation for what it is because he decided I'm looking for the highest quality things that I love and I want to share that. Yeah. And and that kind of flipped the script of I'm a cheese shop that's here for the people and instead he's like I'm a show that, and this is the mm-hmm. show. Yeah. Yeah. And I love the show. Yeah. And well, a lot a show, of people love the show. The show also but, takes 
audience. I mean, that's the thing. Yes. Any kind of performance is always give and take. Yeah, and I think a lot of businesses, and I'm not saying you have to be all the way to the left of the customer is always right, but there's an evolution. I think part of that has to do with us as being young, right? Of mm -hmm. We don't know everything. Thank you kindly. But the truth <laughs> of the matter is, Matt is an expert in his lane. Yeah. yeah. There is no debating that. He has the, the history and other there. things to back it up where if Matt says something is good, whether or not I like it, I believe him. Yeah. Like, I still have, sorry, this is a tangent, but <laughs> so Rubiner's uh, and Matt, they were our second account and they still get some exclusives. Like they have our Shaker Village. It's one of the only places we distribute outside the shop. I think I'm going to frame this, but I think I took a picture <laughs> of like the time on Instagram they posted Cider from North Adams made the board out front, you know, their handwritten chalkboard yep. and where they list probably 40 different things. And the time I was like, We're on the board. Yeah, Cider <laughs> from North Adams made the board is like still probably one of the top five moments of this business for me. Yeah. So thank you to them. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the best. But I would say too, like, yes, I think I think it's a give and take and it's a balance between like the customer is always right and this is my vision. I mean, we're like, could we sell a lot more cider if we made like Cans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like but like yeah. blue crush raspberry cans, like yeah. probably. Yeah, probably. Coming next week. But <laughs> so it's a balance between those yes. two things. Because I I mean, no There's, no shade to blue crush raspberry <laughs> cans, but we're not doing that. There's anytime a lesson soon. there though that and I say this a lot, so Kat's heard this story where when we originally were kind of laying out the lineup, we were going to have what we would have called an off-dry cider. So it's a typical British phrase for the cider, which means slightly sweet, right? And we thought we would need that. The problem is that requires pasteurization because you have to kind of boil the bottle so it doesn't re-ferment when you have sugar in there. Explode. It doesn't explode. <laughs> and, and that's what is true of Coke and all seltzers and all this other stuff. So, you know, that's a normal process. We just didn't have space for it. We didn't have the money for it. We didn't really want to do it. What we found, actually, when people come in who don't like our cider, and it happens, and it happens, you know, quite a bit. You know, they come in, they're expecting something else. What flavors do you have? How, how sweet is it? Is Hancock, is Hancock Shaker Village a flavor? Is, I mean, yes, probably. Does anybody go to a winery and say, what, what flavor What flavors do you have? Yeah, no, they, have no, they say, I'll have a glass of Pinot Grigio. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, this is fresh. But we have found that have those people deeply respect what we're doing, I think, because it isn't even trying to give them a nod. You know, it, it's, it's everything's dry, it's sparkling, it's wine driven. And then they say, they'll leave their glasses, you know, half full, and they'll say, thank you so much for that. Best of luck to you. You guys are, we get what you're doing. You guys are going to do great. I'm going to go next door and get the thing I want or, you know, like, but that's yeah. great. And so we've really learned to be super focused now on just what we want to make and clear about the brand and clear about the lineup. Um, and frankly, I hope somebody also comes Berkshire County and opens the blue crush cidery or whatever, you know, like more is more. We could mm -hmm. have more cideries here too. You could open another line. Please don't make me do that. <laughs> <laughs> my, my favorite, my favorite mezcal line is uh, El Higodio, which is all wildly harvested, yeah. single varietals, and then they have Nuestro Soledad, which is all Espadín farmed, yeah, much more in the lanes of st straightforward, streamlined mass production kind of yeah, thing, distribution, and and it, it just it goes both ways. It's what, I think you, it's what great. are you looking for? I think it'd be great. 
So, thank you. Uh, can you please let everybody know how to find you? And uh, also, please note where it is available for purchase for those that can't make the hike or want to pick up a bottle tomorrow morning for lunch. Yeah. So uh, our cidery is located in North Adams. We're at Greylock Works, and we're currently open Saturdays through Mondays. Um, hours are on our website. And then we're distributed all around Berkshire County. So down here in the Great Barrington region, we're at uh, Guido's, Rubiner's, Berkshire Food Co-op. In Lenox, we're at Nee James, Dare, and Spirited. Um, and then more North County, Spirit Shop, Wild Oats. Everything's on our website. Um, Instagram's a great place to follow us yeah. for the updates. So Berkshire underscore cider. Uh, you'll see all the updates. You can see all the events we've got. You'll see our North Adams guide, stuff like that. Hopefully more posts as we get into the fall. I mean, if, if you like seeing photos of apples, have I got an account for you? Yeah. So, <laughs> and and, what, and dogs, maybe. You know, so many dogs. What dogs. restaurants are it available at? Thank yeah, you so great. much. Cantina <laughs> um, <laughs> is our only South County restaurant at the moment. Any other restaurateurs want to bring us on board? Um, in North County, we're at Meze, Public, and The Break Room. What's unique, though, Cantina, I think, is the only restaurant with our champagne on That's right now. Correct. Yeah. So it, what's actually really fun. Pop some, pop some bottles. Yeah. yeah. What's been fun is figuring out what kind of ciders fit best. Because we're so small, we actually get to kind of curate. So, like, you, were, you brought this to us when we tasted some stuff. But it's the perfect fit for that champagne where that champagne would not do well at, you know, wherever else we are. Yeah. And at other places, you know, our dry cider, which is our flagship you know, if you're at the barn, which is at the Williamstown Inn, you're visiting your kid in the fall, our dry cider is just flowing. I mean, parents love it. It's local. It's great. Uh, but our champagne wouldn't necessarily do well there because it's, you know, a different kind of restaurant. And the break room next door to us has our bittersweet on. So it's kind of fun, too. You can kind of move around and uh, see what fits. And Meze does a great job of pairing ciders with different things seasonally. So yeah, and we're, and we're soon going to have Billy pick some up. And potentially start exploring some some mixes with it. Yeah, um, they do well. make they do make great cocktails. So that's the other thing in the tasting room and in some of the restaurants. We're encouraging this idea of cocktail making with cider. I mean, it's a great stand-in for prosecco or any kind of spritz. We make shrubs, which is like a vinegar-based kind of spritz mm. in the cidery, and that's a great way to get a little sweetness too. If someone wants sweetness. Um, with a dry cider, I kind can't of wait. on top. can't wait to see what Billy does with yeah. our cider. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> well, let's, be let's, wild. let's go up there and drop him off a couple things to, <laughs> to play with tonight. But thank you guys. And, thank and you. Proper spirit. Cheers. This is great. Cheers. Salud. Salud. <laughs> thank you, everybody, for tuning in. What and a fucking blast. <laughs> good times. And we'll see you guys next time. Reminding everybody that we're on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. And uh, I'll see you guys next time. Salud. Drink it. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs>